Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounded like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Brothers Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Love, love Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> yes, yes, reclaiming our time. We back. Uh, yes, better than ever. Live and in color. Yeah, this is your RSG one mic. This is your boy D. Wilson. We're coming out the gate. We're going old school for y'all who've been following us. Checking us out on video, YouTube, all the stuff. You got a chance to see our pearly whites and everything else. We, we decided this week we're going back to where it all started. It's like going back into your old studio. It's like going back where it's like Reasonable Doubt was, was, was taped and produced. We had to get back to blog on air live so we can have this interaction going on. So welcome to RSG One Mike, you know, one of our uh, podcasts on our RSG platform. You know, if you want to catch everything Real Sports Guys, go to realsportsguys.com. You can catch the videos, you can catch the audios, you can catch all of that. You can also catch us on all podcast platforms, or you just come right to Blog Talk Radio and look for Real Sports Guys. You can tell I'm hyped, I'm ready, I feel like I got my radio swag on, I got it going, but I can't go any further. I can't get no more energy until I bring my man Hank into the building. What's up, Hank? Are you ready? Old school, baby? Hey, man, I love the old school. You know, somebody told me once upon a time I had a face for radio. So I'm kind of glad that we're back, you know. So this feels good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock and roll. And we got to bring the youngin' in. Now, we're going to bring the youngin' back in. You know, last time we was on the radio, you know, he's been doing well with the video, but the radio, the radio he seems to have some technical difficulties. He seems to be, it's like he's up here, he's broadcasting live from El Segundo. I don't know where the hell he is. But what's up, youngin'? How you doing, Darnell? How's it going, man? Well, right now, currently, I am on the road chasing tornadoes, but that is beyond the point. 
I just break that my birthday is this weekend and on That's my right. birthday, maybe I think I'm gonna see Deontay Wilder send uh Dominic Brazil to the shadow realm. That's right. And you th- there you go. We're going to have to have a one mic on that one. But that would be a great birthday present because they talking mad junk right there. You know, we got, we got to do a little briefing on that. And so, you know, for those of y'all who haven't had a chance to listen to uh, uh, the boxing moment we have with myself and Darnell, we, we go into a little bit of boxing. You got to go check that out. We've got some good stuff. Uh, again, you can go check that out on willsports.com. We've got a great video where we were with uh, Teron Briggs. Uh, uh, doing a recent episode, uh, preparing for uh, most recent fights that were on there. But, yeah, that's a great birthday present for you. Well, you know, today the theme of our show, you know, one mic, we, we got three segments to one mic. We got the open mic. That's where we can kind of get warmed up. We got the cypher. That's where we kind of get in the heart of whatever the topic is we're going to talk about today. And then we got drop the mic. That's what we give to elders. See, there's a tradition in our culture. Like, with the last word always goes to the elder in the group. And in our group, that's Hank. And Hank always drops some wisdom at the end of the game. So you get a chance to do that. If you stay long enough with us on this broadcast, you listen to it, you got to listen to all of it. Because usually Hank will leave something that you definitely don't want to miss. And you'll get that here uh, uh, later on in our podcast. But today our theme for our show is the tank is empty. What does that mean? Well, what that means is that, we had all this tanking going on in the NBA. Everybody was jockeying for position, hoping to get that coveted prize. And this year's prize name was got one name, Zion. You know, like Madonna, <laughs> like Madonna, you know, one name kind of people, MJ, whatever it might be. Like when you get one name, you 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 just know you arrived. J-Lo, you get one name, Beyonce. Like this kid ain't even graduated from college. He got one name, Zion. And everybody wanted him. So everybody did whatever they could do to lift the odds. And the NBA put the okey-doke on them. They changed the, 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 the format. And then they got a surprise. And so we'll talk about what happened in that draft uh, and what's going on and what, what that means for some of the decisions and some of the discussions that have been going on in the NBA. The thing about the NBA over the past five years, and which has been crazy when we think about the role of the NFL, the NBA is, uh, is a 365-day-a-year process. That wasn't true, I would say, seven, eight years ago. And it's just occupying. And this this lottery and what they've done with it is, in fact, fantastic. So we'll spend time doing that. But we're going to go to the open mic. We're in the open mic segment here. And in the open mic, we're going to talk a little bit more of broader NBA. And, uh, you know, given that the three of us are from Michigan, we're all surprised here in recent weeks, this week, that Coach John Beeline, who has flirted with, uh, you know, looking at professional jobs, Obviously, he was a candidate for the Pistons, I believe. At some point, he was a candidate for uh, Orlando position. Um, had always stated that if he stayed in college, he's staying at Michigan. But, you know, it's a bucket list job. And so he was named uh, head coach of the Cavaliers, opening up the Michigan job, um, which has been – Beeline has, in some ways, you got to say, resuscitated the program after everything it went through uh, with the investigation following the Fab Five and in uh, the, uh, the program years recently – uh, following the Fab Five, where a number of the folks, tractor trailer, a number of guys were involved in that investigation that ended up in having those banners that the Fab Five gotten for those Final Four appearances taken down in all the record scrubs. And so Beeline has done a good job of bringing that back, uh, having two finals appearances uh, in his tenure, 
um, and really kind of setting the Michigan program at a at a certain level. And so we want to open up this open mic in terms of beginning to think about one, you know, the you, the prospects of Beeline moving to Cavs and what that means even for his role as a professional coach and how he might transition. Hank, since you've been around a little bit, you know, what's your thought about Beeline and in in what things about him make him a good coach, uh, a professional coach, and particularly the value added for the for the Cavs? You know, let me let me start by saying that I, like everybody else, was kind of surprised when we heard the news that uh, Coach Beeline was going to take the Cavs job, just kind of out the blue like that. You know, we didn't have any rumblings. Uh, no one heard anything. Didn't, didn't anybody hear anything about him being either disgruntled, despondent, or anything else. Um, but we also know that he flirted very heavily with the Pistons job last year. I think that as far as to answer your question immediately and then to expound on it some more, uh, to what kind of coach will he be in the NBA? I think he's coming into the NBA at a time where, for him, uh, it's going to work for him. One thing that John Beeline does very well is develop his players. Uh, the players that have stayed with him and stayed in his system as they have become better players from their first year to the time they decide to uh, go, go pro. At least that's what we saw at Michigan. We also saw teams in his last six years at Michigan that got progressively better, going starting at the, with the national championship uh, runner-up team in 2013 in which uh, Trey Burke and that team went, went to the finals against Louisville. We saw that team get progressively better, uh, and he started to win Big Ten championships, but his teams got better. You, 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 you didn't have the same team in November that you had in January and definitely what you had in March. So from that perspective, as far as from a player development perspective, I think he'll do very well. The fact that you have a lot of underdeveloped NBA players now getting into the league, a lot of one-and-dones, a lot of guys that just are declaring and going and not particularly ready, I think that also kind of drove his decision. I think that when you look at him losing three players off of this year's team that is arguable and is debatable whether they're ready to play in the league, but yet they decide to go ahead and declare for the draft. Um, and having that kind of a roster turnover, it wears on a coach. A coach is 66 years old, for those who didn't know, had a bypass surgery, heart surgery in the off season. And as you said, one thing what we know about John Beeline is that he never stayed at one position too long. He started in high school. He got to uh, a junior college and college, University of Michigan, and now he's going to the next job. I wish him well. I think that he turned a narrative in Ann Arbor that uh, he didn't have once he got here. And I won't be afraid. I'll be one of the first ones to admit. And do you know as well as, as your brother Steve, we couldn't stand the, the John Beeline in his first six years here. We couldn't stand the style <laughs> I of basketball that he played in Michigan. Off the ledge. I said, be patient. <laughs> you know, but you know what? It took six years, and it took the recruiting of Trey Burke to change that narrative. And now he's he's, he's uh known as probably one of the greatest coaches in Michigan basketball history. I, you know, I, I for one could debate that, but, uh, um, but I think he's done what he's supposed to do here. I think the, the state of college basketball, uh, more than anything else, drove him to the NBA and drove him to what's going to probably be his last job. But uh, I think that, again, I think that he's a, play, a player-developing coach, and the NBA needs that. And where the Cleveland Cavaliers are, as far as their youth, uh, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's got some familiarity with some of the front office people there. 
So I think he'll do. I think he'll do a, an admirable job. I don't think he's going. He hasn't gone anywhere where he didn't embarrass himself. So I think that he's going to do a good job there. But I promise you, I never. I'll never root for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't care if uh, Christ is coaching them. <laughs> and, and people got to understand, Dan Gilbert, the owner. You know, even though he's the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, has really strong roots in the Detroit area. Is very familiar with going to Michigan. You know, uh, from his. You know. Is no, you know, is is knows Beeline, and so there is a connection there in terms of someone following him. And then for folks to understand, since Beeline's been here, the number of guys who've gone in the league from you know Darius Morris, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, Glenn Robinson III, Mitch McGarry, who left too early, probably changed Michigan's ability because of the issues he got into. You know, Michigan might have won a national championship if McGarry would have stayed, been able to stay. Uh, and be part of it, but he left early. Nick Stauskas, who also left early. Uh, Karis LeVert, who had a great run here in the playoffs uh, after getting injured, uh, was just putting up buckets. D.J. Wilson, who's obviously playing with Milwaukee Bucks, who they really like, come out of the bench, think he's a great long, young player. And then, uh, and then Mo, uh, Mo Wagner with the Lakers, who, uh, who I think will be uh, a good pro. And like you said, there are three folks who have been invited, and all three of those players have been invited to the, the Combine. Um, when you know, with someone like Hap, who was a player year candidate, didn't even get invited. He got invited to the G, G League elite squad. So all three of those Michigan players, I believe, got invited to the combine. So that says something about his development in the way he's developing these guys to be able to play in the in the in the pro game. So I want to put some context on it uh, in, in terms of that. Um, I, I want to bring you in a little bit, Darnell, and then uh, come back to Hank um, in terms of you know where Michigan goes from here. Um, the kind of coach they might need, particularly Darnell, interesting because you're a Michigan State fan. You understand uh, in some ways how uh, Michigan State took the uh, Miami Hurricane strategy and put a circle around uh, Flint and Saginaw and, uh, and a half circle around Detroit, and that's kind of been a really good feeding ground for them uh, to be successful. And in some ways, one of the criticisms of Beeline is that he gave up so much of that territory in recruiting that he didn't um, fight for some of those players. Uh, you even have one at your own, your alma mater, your high school, who is okay, who just hit 43 on okay, uh, we're going, LeBron. We're going away now. Huh? I said it's going say? away now. I said it. Um, you said uh, Michigan drew a circle around the Detroit and the Flint Lansing area, and Michigan well, drew a Michigan circle State. around that kind of kind of like the Michigan State. Michigan oh yeah, State yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Because you see, yeah, you see how Rocket Rocket he commanded Rocket Watts. He, He's from Detroit. He moved um, to Ohio to play for that prep school that Lamelo played on. Um, so he committed. You got Gabe from my hometown. Gabe Brown. He played at Belleville. Um, you have some other players as well. Michigan State. Um, Dave. We well, you were talking about Dan Gilbert earlier. Dan. You got to remember Dan Gilbert is a Spartan. He's a Michigan State alum. So he. Did this, he did this move to sabotage Michigan, and I love it. Michigan State is going to take control. Don't speak too quickly. Hey, like Wilder said, there's going to be one face, one name. There could be a little. <laughs> don't, don't speak too quick, all right? And, I, and I'm going to give you your time, but I got, I'm coming back at you with something, so don't speak too quick, and don't be grinning too wide, neither. Hey, who, who, but, um, but, but to be honest with you, I know what Michigan can do to knock it out the park. Listen, like um, just like how you listen, have. Let me tell you something. First of all, okay, I was going to try to give you time, but you want a fat mouth. Let me tell you something. 
One thing Michigan got, no one <laughs> even talked about. This was one move when I heard the beeline left that I didn't even blink. I didn't lose no sleep over it. Let me tell you why I didn't lose no sleep over it. Because what Michigan has is probably one of the best ADs, athletic directors in the nation, in uh, Ward Manuel. Ward Manuel started with the University of Connecticut, okay? And he is very well-versed in what to do with this basketball program, all right, and as well as how to run and, and how to conduct a legitimate interview and get the right man for the job. So, you know, in the past, this would be the time where you, if you were a Michigan fan, that you would just lose your mind. But this man knows what he's doing. He's done it before, okay. He had to uh, replace Calhoun at, uh, at, at, at UConn. Got another. Got got the next coach in there who won uh, Kevin Ollie. You got Kevin Ollie who championship and he was they won the national championship. Huh? Yes, sir. He was out, and then he was out of there the next year. But they won a national championship. Okay, now, that's my yeah, point. Yeah, uh, with Jim Collins' players, Shabazz was on my team. But okay, anyway, but championship. What, championship. What, what I what, okay. what I um what I always see with Michigan um you see how um Kenny Hardaway is killing the game of recruiting right now um from a school that hasn't necessarily been a powerhouse in Memphis. I could see Michigan. If Michigan go out and get a um, Juwan Howard and, and tap or some somebody of that nature and tap into the alumni base that they have, I think that could be a, a pretty nice power move they can do. How, uh, what do you think about that? Um, that prospect, the prospect that happening. To me, that if they get, you said Juwan Howard. Yeah, Juwan Howard. Yeah. He interviewed for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, he's been in the Lakers for the last two years. If they, if they look, at, I have no problem with that because if you're looking at it, Jawan Howard. See, here's one thing about John Beeline that that people don't realize that there wasn't a whole lot of five star, four star recruits coming to Michigan. Okay, he was taking a lot of players and developing them. He may have got him a superstar in the rough, but you but you know there was a roll of a dice on a Mo Wagner. He had to develop it. Okay, the one name that everybody talks about. I mean, Mr. McGarry, you had to develop him too, okay? But but the one name everybody talks about, and the and, and the and the big star out of high school we got was Trey Burke, all right. So what I'm saying to you right. is this: this is what John Beeline did, uh, and, and Tom Izzo didn't lose uh, those 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 recruits. He was still getting those top recruits, all right. He didn't lose anybody because of John Beeline. Don't get it twisted. This was the one thing that drove me crazy as a Michigan fan, that these players still wasn't coming to, to Ann Arbor. You go get you a coach like a Juwan Howard who understands the Chicago area, who understands around here. Or let me let me throw a couple other names out here, okay? Let's go talk about see, the one name I hope they at least talk to, that they at least talk to and get a feel for is Jay Wright at Villanova. Why? Because this is a this is a a, a a a job for Jay Wright because he's already got roots in Philadelphia, okay. That Midwestern piece, okay. You already got somebody out east. You got a name brand in Michigan, so you so at least I hope they talk to him, and and and, and throw some cash at him, okay. And 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 knowing that uh, Ward Manuel has some connections to the East Coast, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some inroads to try to talk to a Jay Wright. And, and I know Billy Donovan's name has been floated around out there. That's fine and great. But, but, but you know, like I said, I wouldn't be opposed to a Juwan Howard, 
He wouldn't be my first choice simply because he doesn't have the head coaching experience at the collegiate level. Well, shoot, if you would get Jay Wright, go ahead and get Jay Wright. But, but, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's not a name that they at least talk. Jay Wright is going to me. I think Jay Wright's going to have to tell Michigan no. Yeah, I don't know if um, that's a realistic choice, but if he if he's willing to do it, then I definitely I definitely allow him to coach the team. I mean, you got the facilities. You're a Big Ten school, right? Um, yep. You got a pedigree, right? And so that that to me, I, I thought that was going to happen a couple of years ago before he won national championship. I thought Jay Wright would be the next the next best fit because his style of basketball fits the Big Ten. Okay, he likes to play the inside out game. He likes to be physical in the paint, you know. So um, that that would be that would be my 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 dream job. Uh, dream pick for me, and like I said, uh, Billy Donovan's name has been thrown out there, as well as other coaches. Uh, I think I think the AD is going to do his job, but again, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be opposed to um, a Juwan Howard coach in Michigan, though. Yeah, and I, mean, I know, I mean, they're throwing everybody's name in, from Mark Few to everybody else, and I think Michigan's a job that people would look at um, uh, in terms of that. But yeah, you got to find you got to find somebody. Who uh, the formula for sustainability is that you got to be competitive in the state, and so you can't just you know people forget you know that 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 uh, the ta- uh, uh, talent in Flagon on Flint used to used to come to Michigan. We, we yes, got quite and and so you know and part of it changed when they moved the state championship game to uh, to East, to Lansing because it changed the focus of what those young folks were. That became the, the focus of of what you were doing and winning. You know, Lansing became the kind of epicenter when Ann Arbor and Chrysler Arena was for so many years. And so Michigan, I don't think, has ever overcome that. At the time they did it, you also had all the transition happening in the program. And so I think you've got to have somebody who's not giving those things up so easily. But the one thing that Michigan can do that Michigan State can't do and always has done is been a national recruiting model, you know, much right. more so. And so what they've always done is got a couple of rocks couple solid top players out of Michigan, but they've been also able to be a part of those national conversations, getting some of those kids who normally were going to Kentucky or Duke. Some of those kids used to come to Michigan. And so you know, you don't hear that. You don't see Michigan's recruiting class. When's the last time Michigan's recruiting class was in the top ten? That's my point exactly. They haven't been. I can't remember. Which, they haven't you, been. You, you they haven't been. And, 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 that's, and, and that's, that's part of the problem. In Michigan's kind of program where they should be at least in the top ten. Exactly. They don't have to be in the top five, but that's the kind of talent they should be able to do. Be, to Beeline's credit, he understood where he was at, and he understood his ability to develop and identify really good talent. And I think that's allowed Michigan to get back to a solid ground. It almost feels like the ground they had in that kind of middle turn of when Frieder was here. What, you know, uh, back in the day before they started getting Relford, you know, they started that whole group. Remember when Relford, all them came in, that's when the momentum kind of changed a lot, right? The energy changed. It was, it's almost like those years when they had, you know, um, it, uh, when they had Eric Turner, E.T. phone home. But then you kind of got those middle years of the, of, the, of the 80s when they got Richard Relford, Henderson, that class, Gary Grant, and they started getting mm-hmm. on that national recruiting scene. And that's where it feels like right now where they can go with the right coach. Who can and part of that is making sure you're getting a hold on some of that talent that's in your state. So it's going to be interesting to watch how this goes. You're right. You know uh, they got a great, um, a well-respected AD, and this is his test. 
you know, to get Harbaugh to come home was a good thing. You know, to 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 do was great. To replace the hockey coach legend was a great thing to get rid of. But this is the one, because this is the one that he was. This is the one where he is about his background and expertise. This is the one exactly. he got to land, and and it's going to speak to his tenure as the AD there uh, to be able to do it. And they've been saying he's had a short list ever since uh, Beeline flirted with the Pistons. I mean, uh, last year. He developed a short list because he knew at some point if the right job came, Beeline was going to go. So I wonder what names he got on that short list. We're all debating, but we should hear something soon because they got to get, you know, they can't lose too much ground uh, on trying to recruit, you know, maybe not this year and saving the class, but they got to get into to the act for the next couple of recruiting classes. They can't keep losing out. So that's right. going to be something to kind of pay attention to. Um, and we'll get obviously back to uh, Beeline and the Cavs when we get into the, uh, to the draft talk. Uh, but let's talk about playoffs. We got the playoffs. We got the playoffs on. It's it's, it's getting down. We're starting the Western Conference because we got we got the we got the Trailblazers uh, uh, leading Golden State. Uh, but you know they came out in Game One looking kind of crazy. But let's just start with some general thoughts, and then maybe look, look into what happened in Game One um, uh, as Game Two is unfolding as we're on the show speaking. But uh, maybe let me start with Hank. Um, Hank, talk a little bit about your initial thoughts about this matchup, and then kind of your opinions of what you saw in game one. What I thought was this, okay, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit in our last uh, show. A lot of people are trying to bury the Golden State Warriors because Kevin Durant is out, okay? And I wanted to remind everyone that when they lost to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, that year that team won 73 ball games. That year, that team had a catalyst that helped them beat the Cavaliers the year before, and that and that catalyst was Andre Iguodala. And the year that they lost the finals to the Cavaliers, Iguodala was hurt. Okay, Iguodala was hurt, and that shortened that bench, and they could not recover. All right, and so now what you're seeing is the Golden State Warriors uh, pre Kevin Durant. That's what you're seeing right now. Yeah, some names have been changed to protect the innocent. You don't have your, uh, Andrew Bogut and some of those other guys like that on this on this team. He's there. But He's on the team. Bogut's still on the team. Okay, who, who, who's off the team I'm, I'm thinking about? I, I'm, I'm missing somebody. Barnes. You don't have Barnes. This is a key wing. Player. Barnes. Okay, okay. Yeah. My mistake. Well, my point Barnes, is, so Bates, basically you've got, Bates, you got that guys, same team yeah. back. Patrick and Billing, all of them. you got that team back. That team – Won 73 ball, uh, ball games, and that team won a championship. And that team was powered by the Splash Brothers. What you've seen in, the, in Game Seven, with I mean uh, uh, Game Six with Houston, and what you saw the other night was a resurgence of that team. Okay, you see that team, and now you're seeing uh, uh, Steph Curry coming out saying, "I got to do what I got to do." Okay, and here's the difference between Portland playing against Denver, and Portland playing against Golden State, okay? They shut down uh, Jokic a lot in that game seven, okay? And McCollum lost his mind, all right? And so that's how that game transpired. When you go down, you're going against the champs. They're not going to be phased just because you do some runs, all right? And, in fact, what you know about them is uh, that second half, they know that, that that's money ball. That's what I saw from that game. And and that's what I expect to see from this series. I think that you that uh, Portland 
uh, is going to give them fits, especially in Portland, and, and they might steal one like 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 the, Clip, Clip, the Clippers did. But I think you're seeing the champs take a step back to what they used to be before Kevin Durant got there. Yeah, and, I, and, and one thing I always want to remind people when they talk about the first championship they, they won and remind them is that because they always want to, uh, you know, push back on how uh, LeBron and them beat them when they won the seven three games is that Kyrie, neither Kyrie or Love played in that finals. And so I, I always want to get people to understand that when they won that championship, just about every team they played had a major injury. So I do want to always remind folks uh, that when you look back on that, you know, because people are quick to, to uh, criticize how LeBron then won because, you know, uh, 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 Draymond missed a game in which he still came back with the ability to play, I think, what, one or two more games. But I, I do want to say that. But they were, you know, they were doing their thing. They were, they had a deep team, and you are seeing uh, a, a lot of of that kind of ball movement and, and everything else you saw, much more freely ball movement than you probably see when KD is in, 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 the, in the lineup. Uh, uh, Darnell, let me get your perspective. Well, my perspective is simply this. Portland's getting swept. After I saw the first game, they get, um, Golden State was going to – they're coming back and they're going to win this game. We all know Golden State is the third quarter team. Steve Kerr makes adjustments at halftime. And one thing that was very troubling with the first game with the Portland Trailblazers was it wasn't the offense. Like I said before, it's the defense. When we're talking, when we're when we're watching the series with the Nuggets, I was telling you, Cantor and them are not a good defensive bunch. Very middle of the pack is best. But um, the way they were playing, Steph Curry was horrible. The big would drop. He he would um he'll be a good two three feet behind the three point line off the screen. He would set a screen. His man wouldn't even hedge. He would just let him step into a three. So. They really have to address that. I'm, I just turned the game on, so I don't know if they have addressed, have addressed it yet, but I know that causes major problems for them. But um, on the other side of the basketball, um, we all know Portland is – they're manned by their two guards. The Golden State, the, the Splash Brothers, and um, I forgot – we got we to get a nickname for uh, Damian CJ because I don't think we have one yet, but they're very good as well. But they're, they power their offense. So um, when you have guys like Iguodala and Clay Thompson that can cross matchup, and you can kind of hide Steph Curry a little bit where he doesn't have to work as much on defense, you can pretty much take him out of the game because they have bigs that can switch. Like Draymond is going to be a big factor. Him and Kelvin Looney's ability to switch out and trap the screen, they can pretty much take them out of the ball game and have and make um, the Minus and Mo Harkless of the world beat you. And I think um, I'll be surprised if Portland comes out with a game. Well, so this is part of the – I think you made some really good stuff. So, yeah, the way they played the, – the, the story part about it is it, 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 it Coach Stocks is, is, is a lot like me. Sometimes I'm stubborn. My pride gets in my way. And so you're not going to try and fight back. The way he was trying to explain why they, how they, why they played it made no sense to anybody who understands basketball. And so you're right. The way that they were playing uh, the, 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 uh, the, the pick and roll – where the the guy was you know where the defender was basically back in the lane and I mean as as uh, 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 Dame said they were getting practice shots but I was just like I was yeah. I was flabbergasted that that was the strategy. They're playing 1994 basketball. They think um they think they guard Rod Strickland. I don't know what's going on. And, and especially when they had uh, three other non-shooters on the floor. 
that's the part that made me uh, uh, going crazy. And so, you know, part of it, obviously, is you got to get the big up. Even if it's cancer, you got, all you got to do is really make and change the angle so you can help with your rotation. So he just, even if you make him pick up and get past you and go under into the three-point, into the paint, it's better than letting him just have a free look. Um, and so part of what you're seeing even tonight is what they're doing is they're, they're the guards, and part of what Coach was saying, he was saying is that the guards were hurting, and which he was right, they weren't pressing up on Steph enough, forcing it, forcing the action to happen closer to the half court than towards the three-point line. What you find is the guards are pressing up, and the bigs are coming up higher along the three-point line, really disrupting so that Steph can't go downhill and just pull up, right? So you see in that action, that's disrupting Steph. And, and, and right now, uh, his brother is, is, is just picked his pocket. And so he's clowning on him right I now. So they have made the adjustments. They have made the adjustments to that. But I think part of the adjustment is they also had to get people on the on, on the court like Evan Turner and some of the other guys who can switch. Um, they have to do a little bit more of that as well. They got to play Cantor because he's an offensive threat, but they got to find a way to get some of these other guys on the court so they can switch a little bit more on defense. Uh, and they got to put they got to on offense uh, do almost like a, a, a Houston get to the point where Steph. Get, get the screen where Steph has to actually cover somebody. And I think that's what you see that's what they're doing is they're being patient and, the, and they're looking for the guy when Steph is rotating, they're getting the guy to the ball where Steph, forcing Steph to not be able to hide and play defense. And so those are the things and, uh, when, when, you, when you had a chance to also look at the stats, the fast break points were uh, just incredible. Um, I think uh, 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 Golden State had like 25 uh, fast break points. Uh, you can't, you can't, you can't let them get tempo. You got to really cut them off. And so I think a lot of it's going to start. Their success is going to start with their defense. I think their offense is going to come around. Their success has to start with their defense. They got to establish a pattern on defense if they're going to be able to beat the Gold State Warriors. And their offense will come. You right. Uh, and I think that's what we're seeing tonight. Yeah, you right. But um, with the transition buckets, when you, that happens to you when you're missing a lot of shots, like the way um, yeah. Aaron Gordon, the backcourt of um, Lillard and McCollum. They shot very poorly. So when when something because they shoot from outside, so when they miss, they're doing long misses. So um, you have guys like Draymond. Like the way the Warriors play, they have four guys on the court at all times that can dribble the ball. So yeah. um, pretty much anybody that gets the ball, they can just outlet immediately. So that's tough to yeah. that's tough to stop. They got so, yeah, so way. Said, the best way I think is just, half, half court. Yes. I mean, you hit it right on the head because, yep, I mean, but the fast break points were like uh, uh, Portland had two and, and Golden State had 17. So, you like, you got to get out. You know, they're getting out in transition <laughs> on you in addition. But when you do a fast break points, they're not, they're not counting the secondary break. So, when, when Steph relocates, right, he gives it up and then he relocates, right? He, he gives it up and then he goes, he relocates, he catches it again on the relocate. So, these fast break points don't even show the secondary points, right? So, you're right. You got to, and that comes off of missed shots. You got to make buckets, right? You got to make buckets, and I think that's what you're seeing them do uh, tonight. So, so great conversation around that in terms of his adjustments. When we look to the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Raptors. Kyle Lowry, I got to talk. I've been on Kyle. Kyle been in the witness protection program in every playoff game for the past three or four years, four five years. He is thirty. They had a lead, then they lose to the Bucks in the end. Them Bucks, them Bucks feel like they feel like them Chauncey, them Chauncey Pistons. That's what they feel like. They that tough, gritty defense. 
and Dan Lopez, who couldn't do anything for the Lakers. That's why I said Lakers. Couldn't do anything for the Lakers. Gives him 29, hitting threes, step back threes. I think he got like uh, uh, eight rebounds uh, or something like that. He had like that, 11 rebounds. Brooke Lopez showing up. Talk to me, youngin. Will you watch that Milwaukee Raptors series. What's your what's your perspective? What's your and how do you see that thing playing out? You there, Darnell? Well, my bad. It's crazy how you say the Bucks um, remind you of the um, the Chelsea Pacers because before the season, if you if you remember from our SRSV listeners, I said that the Raptors reminded me of the the O four Pistons. The way they play defense mm. with the rest and stuff, but I think that's that's pretty um that's pretty that's a pretty good um assessment. But what I see is you can't waste a Kyle Lowry game like that. You don't know who's going to see that yeah. game. But um, both teams, <laughs> I don't think both teams play to their potential, but I think um, Milwaukee has a higher potential than um than the Raptors do. And for what reason, I think I saw uh, Kawhi Leonard look a little tired yesterday. Yeah. Because they, they're playing a lot of minutes. They, they played a seven-game series. He was playing a good um, – he was playing over 40 minutes every game. So how much longer can he carry the brunt of the load? One of the other guys step up. Those are the questions that need to be asked and need to be answered. But uh, I'm going with Milwaukee in this series because – yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the things that's interesting, so first of all, you're right about wasted. I mean, Kyle Lowry had 30 points. He was 10 of 15 from the field, 7 of 9 for three-point range. I mean, when people don't give Kyle Lowry a problem, even when he doesn't score, I mean, this guy's taking charges. He's getting steals, rebounds. I mean, this this he had eight rebounds. Like, I mean, he was balling, and they were – the, these three guys, Powell, Abaka, and Van Fleet, were five of fifteen uh, from the field, and then Siakam was six to twenty-two. Like you got somebody has to step up, you know. So I think you're hitting it right. I mean, he's, you're not getting anything from any of those guys. And then when you look at a guy like Brogdon, Brogdon had fifteen points. He's five of nine shooting uh, from it. And then this is the thing. This is where the Bucks kill you. They outscored uh, uh, Toronto in the paint twenty-six to forty-four. And they they had they, were, they, they out they outdid them at fifteen to twenty five uh, for uh, fast break points. You got to keep them out the lane. You got to, you got to, you can't let them own the paint. And so in in the second half, I think you know a lot of this stuff uh, came in in the second half. The floodgates opened. They're like you appreciate this, Darnell. Before I go to Hank, you know what they're like? They're they're like they're like Errol Spence. <laughs> they, they keep breaking you down in body in by the by the by the by the fourth quarter they beating you up you don't want no more. You know what I'm saying? It's like you think you got them yeah. and they beating you up you don't want no more. Like they hit you with them body blows, them hard points, and you making business decisions when you're playing them by the fourth quarter. It's it's like they beat the wheel out of you. I've never seen since the back to the bad boy pistons even or the pitch like a team that defensively deflates you. To the point where you just frustrate, you can't get anything. Hey, what's been your what's been your thoughts about this? You know, I was shocked for the first three quarters of this game. 
okay? Because it looked like Toronto had had surprised all the nation. I think we were on this on the, on these airwaves are saying that Milwaukee looks like they are the best team in the NBA this year. And when you look at those first three quarters of that game, it's like hold the phone. What just happened? And then That's you're right. absolutely right. You get to the fourth quarter. Oh, but you saw but you saw Milwaukee just start to grind away at that lead, grind away at that lead, grind away at that lead. And I'm watching that game in the fourth quarter. I said, if they take the lead, they, 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 they're going to take this game. Because what you saw was the same thing you talked about. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, let me tell you something. He's got to be the man in the fourth quarter for this team. Okay? You talked about Kyle Lowry. That was great. Okay? Uh, until he hurt his thumb. Right? And, and, and we don't know how, how – I don't know if you've ever sprained your thumb. That's not something that just automatically gets better from game one to game two. It gets worse. It hurts. Okay, it takes a while for those kind of injuries to really uh, get get better. But Kawhi Leonard has got to take over the fourth quarter for this team to have a chance. And he had a lot of open looks. Well, not a lot, but he had enough open looks to really frustrate Milwaukee that he missed. And then there were just some bad shots down the stretch made by by Toronto. It just seemed like for they just became unraveled, like, Oh, I'm sorry, we're not supposed to be here. You know, now I think they can give Milwaukee fits, you know, for a few games, but the thing is Milwaukee knows how to close. And what Milwaukee did in game one was they did what championship teams do. They hang around, let you do your run, let you get comfortable in the game, and then they start chipping away, start chipping away. You start saying, start wearing you down, start wearing you down. And then at the end, you know, they couldn't – Toronto couldn't find the basket. But, but they said Kawhi looked tired. But I don't know what they, they need to do is if somebody else has got to take the, take the reins so that he's got some energy in the fourth quarter because he's got to be the man. Is that is that way for Toronto or they're, or they're not going any further? Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, one of the things, and a lot of people have been saying this, but I saw that right away. You know, there, there are series that dictate how your lineup flow is going to go, and this is not a Gasol series. And so I think one of them things they're going to have to do, Ibaka is probably going to have to start. And they're going to have to figure out how they play Gasol. Just because when you have someone like Brooke uh, Lopez, who's who's going to play who's going to play space as a five and shoot them threes, then you got to bring Ibaka in. I think, and I think what that does is strengthen you defensively because you can switch more. They're all tall. And Ibaka uh, can give you something on offense. So I think they got to figure out how to get Ibaka minutes. And I think the other thing they got to bring in that's and this is what, you know, this is, goes back to my philosophy on uh, LeBron uh, with the Cavs as it relates to Kawhi. They have to steal minutes somehow in the first, second quarter, and maybe early in the third, to allow for him to have enough energy to, to, to take over in the fourth. I think, especially with a team like Milwaukee, that is going to uh, put guys on him that, between Brogdon and Middleton, that's really going to make him work. So what they got to do is they got to find a way to – like last night, they, they got the lead, but they need to find a way to steal some minutes while they were up with him to allow him to be fresh in the fourth so no matter what they throw at him, that's the, that's the benefit that Giannis gets. Giannis gets enough rest so that he can be strong in the fourth because everybody else is kind of picking up pace. They can play those lineups. So somehow they got to find a way to uh, steal minutes. The person, in, and it's hard for me to say this because we've had a chance to interview him, you know, and I lived in Rockford for a long time, but Fred Van Fleet, they, Fred has to, 
find a way. Like, that's what they're missing. They're missing the ability to have a guy like Fred who can put some buckets in. He can relieve you. Like, not having that scoring off the bench doesn't allow for you to to get Kawhi on the, on the, to sit down and get those breathers that you need. And so if you're not getting anything from Fred and some of these guys, that because you have to shorten your line. And that's not good against a team like Milwaukee because you're just not going to – there's no way to play it in a way that's not going to allow him to be fresh going down the stretch. So this is going to be a great series to watch. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, but uh, and when we come back, we're going to go into the cipher. We're going we're gonna to talk about why Stephen A. was crying, why all these people, what was going on when folks found out they weren't going to have a chance to get that man that's named Zion. Doug Fisher, editor of RingTV.com, and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. Call the Cypher. All right, welcome to the Cypher. You listen to RSG1, Mike, and the title of our show today is The Tank is Empty. You know, historically, you can look at all the ways in which some of these teams, teams have bounced back by getting that ball to bounce the right way. I mean, I remember when the New York Knicks sat there breathlessly, and there was a, I think it was a, the, the Busher or whatever might have been in there, uh, and uh, they got the ball that allowed them to get Patrick Ewing. Uh, and people, you know, just uh, fell out when, uh, and, and were able to do that. And so, you know, when the Cavaliers uh, got LeBron, and then the Cavaliers went on and got a couple of times, you know, uh, it, it, it just that getting that number one spot, and it was the reason why these teams found a creative way to tank. And so the NBA has been trying to solve that. And one of the ways they solved it is changing the percentages, opportunities uh, for the teams who um, were in the bottom, where the, the bottom three teams would have the same percentage chance, 14% uh, percent chance, um, and having ways to really kind of discourage um, uh the way that uh, people were trying to uh, manage the season so that they could have an opportunity to get to number one. And uh, it's been, it was, it was interesting the way this all came out, major production by ESPN. Part of it, I felt really sorry for Zion because it looked kind of crazy and uncomfortable. It was a little bit over the top and particularly not only Zion, but RJ, you know, you know, RJ Barrett was like the number one player coming out of high school. Um, 
you know, leading score for Duke. And, and there's all the reasons why people can love Zion and everything else. But it was just a strange presentation uh, from his perspective. And I could, he looked, you know, look, a little uncomfortable being in that environment just because it was a little bit over the top um, um, in a way that you can do it. But it was, it was great TV. It was great theater. Uh, they got down to the bottom four. Uh, was crazy. You had you had New Orleans, the Pelicans, you had the Grizzlies, you had the Knicks, and you had the Lakers. And the Knicks and the Lakers have been in the conversation for weeks for everybody. What was going to go on? And you had to think that one of those two teams was going to get one of the top two picks. But no, the number one pick goes to the Pelicans, and then the number two pick goes to the Grizzlies. And you know when you think about a guy like Griff. Uh, who's the new vice president for uh, uh, basketball operations for the Pelicans, you know, who was a former uh, 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 in his former position with the Cavaliers when they got all those number one picks. You know, he, you like, this cat is blessed with no matter where he goes. He's trying to convince AD to stay home, and he gets the number one pick. And the look, the, even the look on Zion's face, because Zion just knew he was going to L.A. or New York, but he going to New Orleans. And I'm always, I'm going to say this. We talk about small markets everything else. I've been to a lot of places. One of my favorite cities to go to is New Orleans. I don't know how New Orleans gets this this rap. Go spend some time at the Essence Festival. Go hang out in New Orleans. I don't know how. This is not Oklahoma City. This is not Charlotte. This is not. This New Orleans. It's like things are happening down there. And so I don't know how it gets this rap that it gets jumped into. You know, like like it's like it's this this market where ain't nothing happening. And so. Uh, but they get the number one pick, and this stuff gets crazy. It gets crazy. People are chattering. A lot's going on. So the question I got to go, I got to ask y'all, I want to start out with, and I'll hit you, Hank, is tanking finished based on what we saw? Say again? Is, is tanking finished? It's in the NBA. I don't think so. Based on, you don't think so? Talk to me why. I don't think so. I, I think, I think listen, you're asking if they finished. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I, I, it's tanking. It's tanking finished, meaning people tanking, like what you saw with the oh, Knicks. Oh, it's tanking finished. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I, didn't, I couldn't hear you. I wish it was. I wish it was because it makes for a bad basketball at the end of the season. Um, okay. And so I wish I wish it was. I don't think it is, okay? Because let's face it, if you're one of these teams and a small market team, not so much in New Orleans. New Orleans, let me just kind of piggyback on what you're saying, okay? No, the, the thing is about New Orleans, the reason why, uh, you know, the, 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 the Jazz was in New Orleans before, okay, the Pelicans, and they moved mm-hmm. to Utah. Simply because there, like you said, there's so much that's going on in New Orleans. You've got to have a championship caliber basketball team or anything else in that matter, you know, to simply get the people's uh, attention. All right, how the New Orleans Saints for so many years survived down there, you know, being as pitiful as they were, is anybody's guess. And never was there a, um, a, a, a hint of them moving anywhere. But I guess because of the NBA and what the NBA was in the past, it just was not sustainable for a franchise. But you've got a superstar in AD down there right now. Um, and I think that it, it would serve well that they do all they can with, that, with, that, uh, with the franchise in, in New Orleans and, and make that a, a big market team. 
Now, is tanking done? I wish it was. Again, I don't think it is because if you're one of these small market teams and you don't have a chance, okay, you've got your best your best bet is to roll the dice and try to get your next franchise player. Okay? The thing about basketball, which is much different than um football or any other sport is those thoroughbred players, you see it right from the top. You you know the five tools you got. You you know the design is gonna be a can't miss barring injury. Okay, you know that um, a young man out of Murray State is going to uh, uh, Morant. You know he's probably going to be a can't miss barring injury. Okay, so when you're these teams like the Detroit Pistons who don't have nothing, but they made the playoffs. Okay, or these other teams that are so far out of it. You know this is your chance to hurry up and get back into it. Okay, so you you know you're what three or four games out of the eighth spot. Why are you going to go out there and play hard? Okay, what are you what are you trying to develop? And I don't know how the NBA fixes this. I think that um, you know they they started it. Unfortunately, I think the NBA started tanking. I think they were the ones that that really took it to the next level. You really couldn't do that so much in football. You could get killed. Okay, and, and the other sports, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But um, the NBA pretty much started tanking, and now you got teams that are on the verge of playoff spots. This is where it's really ugly. you got teams that could be in the ninth spot or the tenth spot, and they just call it quits. That's bad basketball. That's not good for your product. And I don't think it's over. I, 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 I commend them for trying to do something about it, but I don't see it ending right away. What I see them doing is they're going to have to almost anybody who don't make the playoffs, you know, you, you're going to have to come up with something. So they, or or the penalized teams you know are tanking. I don't know how you how you police that, but it's got to be something to, so that the product on the court does not just look like an obvious stink fest. It, it costs too much money to the fans for that. Yeah, and, and I think um, one of the things I think I, I think it's not going to stop tanking. I think what it will do for that scenario you just described, the teams who are um, close to the playoffs and could make the playoffs. Those teams, I think you're going to see fewer of those teams tanking because it just ain't going to be in the percentages. It's better to try to make a run, try to see if you can finish hard and see if you can get to that spot and be more um, look like you can be more relevant to free agents. Um, and I think you'll see that. But I think back, I think what will encourage people to take is why people always gamble is because even in scenarios, the the Lakers and the Knicks still had a chance, and in other right. drafts. The three, four, the three and four spot is still going to be great players. Even this draft, I would argue the three, four spot, there's still really good players in this draft. I mean, I think people are forgetting. <laughs> I think the, 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 I think what this forces is you to have you got to have better basketball people. I think this is where it forces like the teams who are going to lose are not investing in their front office. They don't have oh. good bat like so. You got to have a David Griffin type. Guy. You have guys who know what they they're doing, who understand the data and understand who to get. Uh, that's going to be a match for their program. You got to have smart people making smart decisions, but they're going to be players to be got. But you still have the Lakers in the uh, in the in the Knicks still in the running for the top two spots. So I think in the, in the bottom three or four teams, I think you'll still have that. I think what will happen is those teams who are closer to playoff possibilities will need to try to signal to free agents stay relevant, which is a different model than just trying to make sure you're getting the the right draft. Uh, lottery picks. I think you make a good uh, good points around that. Uh, 
uh, uh, Darnell, what, what, do you, what do you think happens in New Orleans? What, what it, now that they got this number one pick, you know, if you're sitting there as an advisor, you know, what, what's the strategy now that you got the number one pick? You look at square at that man named Zion. How do you play this? Well, we're talking about Zion, but the most important name is still Anthony Davis. But we have to figure out what Anthony Davis wants to do. If he still wants to be traded, will he be willing to stay if we get Zion Williamson? We, it all starts and ends with him, in my opinion, because um, if he is willing to stay, we have to we have to we have to wait it out and see how it goes. But um, if he doesn't, if he if he still wants to go, I would explore maybe making a, a draft trade to either New York or LA, probably New York, because um, they have a third pick. If we could we could try we could take that um third pick off their hands, take another pick next year, and possibly take like a Kevin Knox or someone else. And then you could also pair um you could also with that pick you can you can pick up R. J. Barrett or John Morant if uh, or if um Memphis if Memphis picks up John Morant, I mean if they pick up R. J. Barrett you can get John Morant. Both these guys are gonna make um Zion Williamson happy and they will be on the same kind of timeline as far as getting better going together as a team. And um you got to remember John Morant and Zion Williamson, they played AAU basketball in South Carolina growing up. And you, I mentioned South Carolina, and that's another reason. Because um, when when they, looked at, when they put the, the camera on Zion right after right after um, it was announced, he looked shocked. He was kind of blank. He, looked, he had this blank look on his face, but most of us did as well. Because, um, frankly, before the lottery, nobody was talking about the Pelicans. He was probably shocked that the Pelicans got the first pick, and um, his uncle came out and said, he, his uncle came out and said um, that they're happy we're going to um, New Orleans. They're, they don't have a problem. They're not going to go back to Duke or anything like that. And um, I got to go think about it because um, if you look at it, Zion has been he's lived down south his entire life. He's from South That's Carolina. Right. He played at Duke, which is in North Carolina. He's not phased by going to Louisiana. And you talk about Louisiana not being a basketball town. You're right, because it's football country. That's why the same thing leaves. But um, you, I, I bet you they'll fill up that movie king turning out Zion's there. I think they're, oh, yeah. they're going to be in good hands. I mean, you make a really excellent point. I was thinking about that day on the way. I mean, I think you really – I think in some ways him going to New Orleans is great for the league because um, he understands what it means to live in the South and what that means. And there's a lot of transferable pieces that he could bring. And, you know, they, and, he, and people in South know, who, you know, I, I'm like, again, Essence Festival. What I'm doing, I'm drafting him, and I got him down to Essence Festival over uh, 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 4th of July weekend, hanging, connecting, you know what I'm saying, bringing that energy down there. But I think, I think he will be great in that environment, and he'll be – I think you hit it right on the head in a way that um, – uh, and this is not the same kind of context, but in a way in which – Carl Malone was okay with going to Utah because he loves outdoors work. He's a hunter. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. for, for, for a lifestyle thing, Utah worked for him because when he wasn't when he wasn't playing basketball, he was out hunting. Like there's there's some there's some pieces that work that will work for a, a young person like Zion in that space that would be that would be perfectly uh, okay. So I think you make a really good point. One of the things that I thought um, uh, was Damon Jones brought up a trade scenario that I thought was really interesting with LA. Uh, it, it, was, it involved uh, uh, Anthony Davis and Solomon Hill. 
because they want to get rid of Solomon Hill's contract. Um, and that would then bring um, uh, 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 would bring Ball. Um, uh, it would bring. Um, uh, why am I losing my my, my uh, uh, It would it would bring three young players from the Lakers. I'm losing my mind right now. Uh, I had all that stuff in my head. Um, Ball, Ingram, is that? In Ingram, you got me. God, there you go. Ball, Kuzman, and Ingram. Um, would be those three picks. I think they might have one more, but it was a real interesting pick um, uh, for uh, for AD. Um, plus, then uh, New Orleans gets obviously that fourth pick. They add another young player along with those guys. Now you got a guy like Ball running the floor uh, uh, with with Zion and you know possibly a, a great fourth pick. You know, along with those other guys he's already used to playing with. You know, and you, and you, and you still got. Yeah, yeah, you, and you still got great talent, you know, uh, sitting on the roster that you're able to uh, to work with as well. You got, you still got Julius Randle, depending on how you you, you hold on to Julius uh, uh, going there as well. And so it, it's almost like, uh, along with Holiday, who's giving everybody the business, who's you know, who you got to say is, is an elite point guard. So this, but he can go to two. And so there's some there's some things that you, you're right that I think Griff is sitting and he's going to listen. The first thing is to get AD. You get AD to commit, but you you know that means he's got to sign an extension. If he doesn't sign an extension, then you got to try to move him. You cannot, and I agree with everybody say you cannot have AD coming to the fall in the camp. You cannot do anything that disrupts uh, Zion's onboarding. So if it's going to be if it's, if if, if he, you got to know in a, in a, about two or three weeks, you got to know whether or not you're going to have AD or not, whether or not he's willing to sign the extension. And to be here, if he's not willing to do it, you got to move right into trade mode because you can't disrupt any of Zion's onboarding. Uh, he, he doesn't need to be asking, answering any questions about AD. He needs to be clear where AD is going, and he needs you need to be turning the page and moving to the future. Uh, so I think that's going to yeah. be an important thing uh, to, 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 to think about. If you're the Lakers, like I think we offered a, a, a pick, but if you're the Lakers in New York, how do you think through this this process, uh, Hank? Beyond what we okay. just talked about. Yeah, before I get to that, though, you, you, you mentioned something. I want to ask you a question. What does uh, the, the New Orleans Pelicans look like do with a Zion Williamson and an Anthony Davis? How does that work? To me, you know what makes it so good? You know what the scariest thing you might see? Have you ever seen a 5-4 pick and roll? Now, you got to forget, Anthony Davis is a point guard. Can, can you think? Yeah, of, we did. Can you, we did. We did last year. Oh, with the with David and Boogie. Yeah, him and Boogie. But this is a different one. Like that. Like you know, Boogie's great, but Boogie ain't got that explosiveness. Boogie got that. You know, Boogie. Boogie. Boogie is great, but Boogie like that old cat at the gym just doing work on people. You got. You talking hey. about? Think, 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 let me let me describe the screen and roll. Do you want to get dunked on by AD? Or do you want to get dunked up by Zion? Either way, you on Twitter, or right. he gonna pull up. So, so, and you got Holiday spaced, right? You got Holiday spaced on the other side. You got you got space shooters on the other side. This is an interesting. Like that would be scary. This is where I'm going right here. If you're AD now, okay. Um, you got a chance to have what a lot of people are calling one of the most transitional uh, players of his time coming out. That's what people already keep giving to him right now, okay, a transcend, a transcend a, a player, okay. Um, if that 
case, where why are you going? If New Orleans is willing to pay you, why are you going? And, and, and don't you want to have an opportunity to play with this young man through the first four or five years of his career, and and do that? And and I don't I don't know if we've thought about that. I don't know if AD. I'm thinking like this way. Did he think that they were going to get the number one overall pick and it was going to be Zion Williamson? And what does that look like for this team now? That that changes this team quite a bit, okay? And and is and what is his real reason? Because if he wants to leave with this young man coming to the roster, what's that say? I, I, I'm gonna say this, man, and I said the people got went back and forth. Like if he stays, they're immediately, immediately contenders for the West. Right. Because the thing about what? this, the thing about it is, there are no free shots in the lane. None. <laughs> like like. If, if you go into the paint, there are no free shots. They all contested. And we're not even talking about Julius Randle. Like, there's no free shots in the lane. Like, when you can basically lock off a part of – like, look what Milwaukee's doing when they're giving you nothing in the paint. Think about that plus. And, and the thing about Zion that people forget, and I watched him up live, you don't have to run plays for him. Like, you don't have to run any plays for him for him to be effective. That's what makes him so good, that you don't have to run plays for him. And so, yeah, I mean, you asked the question, like, what does this mean? I think, you know, he gave the right answer. I'm still going to keep, you know, I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. But you knew when that happened, he took a deep breath. Because the other part about this is that that people were justifying him going was the instability of the organization. And when you get somebody like Griffin, who is is your vice president for basketball operations, who is a class act, who is – one of the best in the NBA, that goes away, right? Mm-hmm. So all the things that you thought were bad, plus this number one pick, goes away. So, yeah, it, you're right. I don't know what it says. I mean, he's going to make whatever decision he's going to make. But but uh, you're right. That does force him to, 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 to do some things. If you on the other side, well, I was going to say to you, what, what, what do you – you're Lakers, you're the Knicks. Like, you know, we gave some scenarios, but, you know, how do you think through this? Well, look, if I'm the Lakers, if I'm the Knicks, uh, you know, there was all this time. Let's go to the Lakers first, okay? It all depends on, first of all, we've already, you know, broke down the dumpster fire that is the Los Angeles Lakers, the last show. So we already <laughs> know that there's a lot of indecisiveness there. The question you have to ask yourself if, you, if you're the Lakers is, who am I building this team for? Am I building this team for LeBron's next two, three years, or am I building this team for the future? Okay, because if you're going to build a team for LeBron James, then you've got to look for your next Kawhi Leonard. If you're not going to be able to make any moves in the off season, all right. Um, so that being said, who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? You know, at at that pick, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of players there. You hope against hope that R.J. Barrett, you know, falls to you. You know, maybe or maybe not. You know, another player that we we just saw. A lot in the finals and in the, in the, uh, the national championship game, I think would be a, a nice fit for them. Maybe make uh, Jared Culver um, out of Texas Tech, you know, big shooting guard that that could help that team. I could see them going that route. I could see the Lakers going there a little bit. But again, with the Lakers, I don't know because I don't know whose team they're building for. Okay, so they need to take the next best available. And if you're, and if you're the Knicks, the same thing. If you're the Knicks now. Um, uh, here's what you're doing at Madison Square. You 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 
peep what's going on with AD and see if does he want to come to the East. You know, the Knicks always like to make that splash with those kind of players. And then and then and then swear up and down they'll build a team around you and then don't. You know. Um uh but but I could see them trying to make a at least uh sniff out and see what uh A D is doing. Um, but then again for them they they take the next where they're at, there's a lot of good players in this draft. Take the next best available player that's that's gonna be there and whatever they're looking for. A lot it, it is very strong in, in, in um shooting guards and power forwards. And I just mentioned Jerry Culver, but Cam Reddish should still be there probably for the Knicks. Um uh, and, and another young man we saw during the, during the uh, championship, DeAndre Hunter with Virginia. I think all those are good picks for 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 the Knicks. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think you know people feel. I, I think the R.J. Barrett, he's, he's, and I agree with a lot of folks. I mean, I think he's made for New York. You know, I think you got, and I think Fizdale's the right coach for him uh, to really get him to, to take um, uh, to be efficient with his shots because he's a great talent. Um, and I think you know, Fizdale would be really good with him. Plus, I mean, he can stuff, do stuff defensively. I mean, he's all over the place. I think, he, I think in, in three or four years, New York is happy, and he got the swag for it. You know, he, you know and, you know, this Canadian run with these Canadians and what they're doing right now uh, in, in the league, you know, they're they showing some stuff. So, he's, R.J. Barrett to the Knicks, that's not a bad move if that's what you, got, you, you have to do. And so, uh, I, I like that. You know, if you weren't trying to do the LeBron thing, because LeBron has this thing about, you know, he's got to have veterans for him to move. You know, like you said, a kid like uh, uh, Culver or uh, some of these guys who come in or uh, DeAndre Hunter, you know, these guys who are like a, a Brogdon type who are ready to go and, and grown, and you get, you get uh, you know, Jimmy Buckets and some guys coming in, uh uh, with you uh, that come who could play our militant. Now you struggle in the wing. Now LeBron doesn't have to defend those wing defenders. He, you, he can get matchups that are favorable, and he got young guys who can help with just defending on the wing. Plus, all these guys can handle and they can shoot in space. So, you know, if 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 people weren't so caught up in that, the Lakers have a lot of options if they're not, you know, um, believing that the only way they can win a championship is they got to have you know, they got to do this wholesale veteran thing. If they, they know they got these young players and, and you add some of these free agents you can add uh, who are not KD but who are next level, um, and given what Buckets did uh, in the playoffs, he demonstrated his ability to play. You add, you add a solid guy like that, like a DeAndre Hunter or, uh, or uh, uh, Culver, Jarrett, who they know how to be plays in their development. Like they got that Kawhi feel to them, but they already can shoot. That, now you can, that's a team that can make a run with, with LeBron doing it. But – you got to have the stomach for that, and that's what's going to test uh, uh, the Lakers uh, and, and, and the Knicks. Um, let me ask you, Darnell. And this is kind of—you you may not have a chance to look at this. You know, when you get out, uh, when you get outside of the top four, start to look at some of the other teams. You know, I think this is a GM draft. You know, people talk. You know, people get so caught up with the Zion and the top four guys. There's a lot of quality players in this draft, as Hank alluded to. Do you see some teams that could probably? really eat based on what's left on the table in this draft with some players who can make the difference. Uh, were you able to see some? See some teams? Beyond let me pull up the Let me pull up the um, – well, I'll, 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 say, I'll say one. I'll, I'll give you a couple of different options based on how I'm seeing, depending on what moves uh, they, they decide uh, uh, to make. 
But I look at a team like Washington, who disappointed us last year. Obviously, John Wall got hurt. Um, but people expected them to do more in the East. You know, I think they have a chance in this draft to do some things that could make them uh, a, a much better squad. Um, I give them two picks they could probably get that could, uh, could give them something. Um, I love uh, I love Cam Reddish to Washington. Um, the thing about Cam, he got lost in the wash. This guy is, can shoot. And people talk about his shooting percentage at Duke. A lot of times he's getting the ball with like less than 10 seconds on the clock, rushing shots. But having a chance to watch him for three days out in Maui, in the right situation, things like that, I think with uh, uh, Washington, where he can space the floor and do some things, I think it would be good. I also think this would be a great place if, if, uh, if, if he was around would be with DeAndre Hunter. You know, he ain't got to go that far. But I think you get a guy who, who's, uh, who, can, who, can, who can shoot. You know, I think the system kind of held his offensive game down. But I think this is a guy who could defend on the wing. He can shoot. He can cover up a lot of sins if you get him in that lineup. Uh, playing with the guys out there. I think Washington is a team that should have made more noise in the East. If they make the right decisions, um, they could really make some noise um, here. Or even get like a P.J. Washington, a guy who just kind of came on late. Um, I think that's a team that could really make some noise uh, if they make the right uh, uh, pick here uh, beyond the top four. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a little bit more time. Yeah, I got it. I got it up. I got it up. But, um, I'm looking at I'm looking at teams like Cleveland. Like Cleveland still has um they still have love. They still have a couple of guys on their roster, so they can they can fortify that and and build around love. They can get some. They can get like a a, a wing player because you you mentioned uh, DeAndre Hunter, but to be honest with you, I don't see DeAndre Hunter making it down to Washington because you saw he has um you saw we saw in a tournament he's a very good defensive player, long arms, he can shoot. Yeah. That's what the league wants. Three and D. He can go. He can try guard one through four. You have a guy like Jared yeah, Culver. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think you know. I think uh, you know. I think what Cleveland's at what six? Uh, that's Cleveland's a B line type of player. Five. That's a B line type of player. He's right. gonna get one of those guys. You know, and uh, if you got, put him with what he's got right now, that 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 changes right. them a little bit. I think you're right. Uh, what, I think another guy that's way down the list the way they're ranking. I love the way people rank. Um, and, and is uh, uh, Rui Hachimura. Uh, you know, Rui, right. I, I think, you know, again, a guy in Washington, you get a guy like that big who can, who can play multiple stuff. This guy is growing as a player. Um, he gives you he, – he can rebound. He can do multiple things. You know, these teams who – you know, these teams who are on the verge, who should have made more of a run, I think he might be a good guy for Chicago, you know, in terms of adding. You get him playing with marketing and some of that stuff. Uh, they need a point guard, I would say, too. I mean, they would be, you know, I, I think Chicago uh, getting a, a point guard could be a, a great uh, a move for them as well. That was my next one. That was my next one. Yeah. That was my next one. I was going to say Chicago with Kobe White was going to be a very yeah, good Kobe pick. White. I think they have it. Kobe White yeah. to Chicago. We have um, Phoenix possibly getting one of the guards. If they can't go guard, then I would say go swing, man. But to be honest, everybody always says um, Phoenix needs a point guard, but in today's NBA, I think you'd be best served having um, Devin Booker just um, push the push the ball to court and just um, build around him and pretty much just go pick and roll with him in um, Aiden and have him build yeah. shooters around him and another guy that can create off create by himself. 
But I think yeah, that would be best for them. You have yeah. um, a lot of teams out here. Miami at 13. Boston is in the lottery. Boston at 14. Yeah. Um, you know they might lose Kyrie, but um, they already have a very good roster to build around. So let's see what kind of talent they can add around the talent that they already have. And, yeah, I, I could I could see Boston uh, getting someone like a Brandon Clark. You know, again, getting some guys. You know, these guys who can switch, who can like, rebound, do multiple things uh, right. as well. I think Rui, if Rui's down there, I could I could see them getting somebody like him. Uh, you know, uh, Alexander uh, uh, Walker, uh, uh, the guy from Virginia Tech, uh, he was he was uh, uh, doing some stuff on Duke, putting some numbers up there in the ACC. So yeah, I, I think Boston's a you know, you know. Sometimes you know how you, you're in fantasy football. You know, sometimes you, you like having that 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 pick that's a little farther down where you're kind of turning and it's coming back to you. You know, Boston's yeah. in that position where they you don't get the top pick, but there's gonna be so much left. You can kind of get your pick of the litter depending on what you want to do. Also, given where they were, so you're right. Boston's a, 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 has got some chances. Uh, Hank, I don't know if you want to get in on the conversation. Well, you have you, a chance to come back. I know it's early. Yeah. yeah what do you What do you think? Um, what do you think? Bo Bo is gonna go. It's hard because, you know, he was injured, right? And everybody knows the talent. Yeah. And a lot of it's about how much you think he's back and being ready. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's somebody who can give you a whole bunch. Yeah. I could see him being someone that the selfish or somebody picked. And the only reason they got him because people aren't sure. But that that is a that, – that, that, you know, if you were to play a full season, that's a top five talent right there. So, you know, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, you got it down here. Down When I look at the list and how they got the stuff set up, you know, some of these guys down here are top five talents. You know, and any other, you know, I don't think people give him a really good look, but he's one of them. And the only reason he's down there is because of injury. So that's why you don't know how some of this is going to go. The kid that I'm questioning that people like, and I feel like he got to go back and get another year because he didn't have is like Romeo Langford. Everybody tell him to come out. If I were him, I'd go back. He just didn't have a good showing the way he needed it. I mean, I know he carried them for times at Indiana, but, you know, I had a chance to watch him. You know, if I were him, he, he he should be a top six type talent, the way he came out. But he just did not put a full year together. But he's a kid you don't know, you know what's going to happen with him. Again, these are some of these kids were predicted to be top five talents. How they played or injury got them farther down. So you're right. Uh, in in a team like Boston, a team with a good GM or Miami, they're gonna feast on this. They're gonna feast. I on got this. another one for okay. you. The Spurs, let me, let me get Hank the back Spurs have two first-round picks. Okay. So, Hank, let me get you a right uh, real quick. Uh, what's your thoughts on some of this? You know what? I'm looking at this. Like I said, there's a lot of talent. You guys have talked about a lot of the top ten talent. You know, but there's a young man that played for Purdue that no one's talked about, that point guard, Carson Edwards. Carson oh, yeah, Edwards. I, I you know, and it was like, you know, now that's a player I would love to see here in Detroit. You know, I, I lo- he he, he kind of got to he's kind of got that he could be your next Isaiah Thomas type of player, who can, who can create his own shot and get everybody else involved. But he's another player that he's kind of kind of got lost in the shadows. But a good GM can, can take a Carson that was con- continue to develop his game, okay, and and really steal that young man from the draft. You know, and and, and so I. And, I, but I can see him, you know, ended up somewhere. If if he falls, I can see him somewhere. Be, I, Brooklyn would probably get him because Detroit would do something stupid. But 
But he's one that no one's really talked about. That I, I can't wait to see where he goes. All right, and we may have a guest here. Hold on a second. Let me see what we got going on here. Hey, who's on the line and where are you calling from? Yeah, my name's David. I'm calling from Minneapolis. Hey, how you doing, David? So you trying to you trying to chime hey, in on this uh, on the NBA talk? How, what do you, what do you want what do you want to get on right before I quit? Yes, sir. And I was just wanted to say that um, I'm excited for the Knicks. I thought the Knicks worked out beautifully, and now because the Lakers got stuck with that number four pick, everything is falling into place for the big three to fall to go to the Knicks, and we have you know Kyrie. KD and Anthony Davis, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Knicks being in these conference finals next year, and I can't wait for it. So, so if that happens, we talk about Knicks every every year. I know. I, I let, let me let me pull him in a little bit. So, so uh, how do you see Ky- Anthony Davis? I know he's going to fit. How do you see Kyrie and KD operating? Do you, does is that a return to you know the uh, what he had in uh, OK City, you know, how do you see that relationship working? Yeah, I see it in a way where Kevin Durant, having been in Golden State, he sort of understands the idea of deferring for the better of the whole team. Like, if this was Kevin Durant coming out of OKC, I don't think it would have worked. But I think the combination of Kyrie having things go bad in Boston and then Kevin Durant experiencing in Golden State what it is to work with other superstar players and try to work in the team dynamic, I think the combination of the two Plus their age. I mean, both these guys are older. They've been through a lot, and I think they're at the point where they know how to make it work. Okay, okay. I, th- that's a good perspective on what's happening with the Knicks. And uh, you know, I want hey, I want to thank you for uh, for calling in. Call back in. I love your perspective. We want to see how this unfolds. We love to hear from you in the future. Uh, uh, feel free when we're live to call in the show anytime. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just have one quick question for you, just to ask you. Yeah. Because I noticed a lot of people have been saying this, but do you honestly think that the Lakers would have a better package than the Knicks? And I, if so, what is it that the Lakers are necessarily offering that's even worth anything other than the well, number four I, I, pick? Yeah. So what, what I think. Uh, so one of the things that were put on the table was uh, Ball, Kuzman, and um, uh, who else we have in that uh, in that uh, uh, Darnell um, Ingram. Ingram. Ingram uh, in that pick. I think the part that hurts that one is we don't know the health of Ingram, but if you if you bring Ball in, uh, and, and, and a lot of people think part of Ball what was kind of stifled his growth, what you know obviously with LeBron because Ball's got to have it, he's got to have it, he's got to have the ball in his hand. So you get him running the point. Um, you got Holiday. You can always Holiday can play two guard, move out uh, out of that position. Now you got somebody who's running. You got you got Zion. You got that energy. Plus you got Kuzma who is. Already proven that he can he can get buckets he can do what he needs to do and then it depending on what happens to Ingram now you got a young core plus your fourth pick depending on what you get there it gives you a lot of flexibility now you now you're you got some veterans on the team but you got a young core and I think th- I think that uh, would probably uh, be attractive uh, to um, uh, to the Pelicans particularly if they can get rid of uh, uh, Solomon's contract. Which is uh, is something that they would love to be able to get rid of if they could package that with AD. I think that's one of the things. I think the Knicks pick. I think the the, the thing about the Knicks, the, the advantage they got is obviously it's the third pick, right? And so you know the the, the the opportunity to probably get RJ Barrett and those two teaming up, and there's a value added to that piece. I think it's going to come down to what other pieces they could throw uh, into that uh, would probably be part of the packaging. But I think the Knicks could be formidable depending on 
you know, what they could throw in it. But I, I think a lot of people like, you know, the, the Lakers' young guys. They just think they, people are aware right. enough to know that they've been stifled by the situation, but these guys can play. And if you look at the trend of guys who left the Lakers and what they've done since they left the Lakers, I mean, even talk about Brook Lopez. Look what Brook Lopez is doing. He left the Lakers. Like, we didn't even talk about Like, Brook is – Brooke just had 29. Right, but, but so, the Laker guys are broken, though, and they all have huge defects. Like, put Kuzma aside, right? Ingram's got yeah. blood clots. So we don't know what that means for his career. I mean, I hope it works yeah, out. I mean, I mean that, that, that could seriously stifle whatever development he could have had. And then with Alonzo, yeah, we know the issues with Alonzo. Not, not the fact that his jump shot's broken or the fact that he's actually missed more games than he's played and he's had a long injury history. The big issue with him is his dad. And that I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're going to be cool with the idea of playing in New Orleans. I don't think there's any way he's going to sit back and go along with that. And so well, but, to but, me, but, it's like, but, but, well, what are you really yeah, bringing? You're bringing in a 24 year old Kuzma who's essentially peaked already, and a number four pick, which is what? Oh, Garland? how do you know he's peaked? I mean, he's already 24. Yeah, but he's 24, but he's balling. He's been balling. I mean, Kuzma. Yeah, but I mean, this this is basically does he not that much from I would say Kevin Knox is a better prospect because he's 19, and he hasn't even tapped into his full potential yet. Versus see, a 24 year old. This is where you. This, this you know, what I mean, Kuzma is a four year starter in college, right? Yeah, but you mentioned the Hubie thing. There's a lot of four year starters who play. People getting caught up with more minutes means more production and everything else. That's not how it works. Kuzman has already been proven he could play, and his game has been expanding each year. I don't know how we, I don't know how Kuzma. I like Kevin Knox, like Kevin Knox. So I'm not arguing that point. Like him, but Kuzma has already demonstrated that he's ready for the moment. He just happens to be caught up in a crazy situation. And again, we've watched what happened to guys who left LA, getting out of that craziness, and how they've blossomed in, in recent years. There's a trend. Look at D'Angelo Russell. Everybody thought he was done. You made all star game. All you gotta do is just, you know, quick get stopped. Look at Julius Randle. What happened to Julius Randle? Ju- Julius had a decent Julius had a good season when he left. He didn't have a bad season when he left. Julius Randle played better this year than he played last year. Huh? Right, but I mean it wasn't what people expected. Julius- Everyone thought he was gonna he was gonna really ball out this year. But he just, you know, yeah, but you can he, he was a mess. Let me pull up let me pull up Julius Randle's um basketball record. Because I want to, I, I want to make this point is that I know you're trying to argue for your Knicks. If that's okay, but you can't argue that against the Kuzma. You can't. Hey, Julius Randle averaged 41 to eight this year with three assists on 52 percent shooting. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, what we talking about, man? He's shooting league average no, I mean, threes this year. This year. Yeah, if you watch the him play, if you watch him play the way he played, it was so especially on defense. It was terrible, man. What? He was super inconsistent. Dude, Reynolds terrible. Hey, last year he averaged 16 points. He he had a huge See, jump. See, you, you, yeah, his, no, his I number, love it. His numbers spiked when AD was basically being shut down and had his minutes limited. And essentially, they basically gave him the ball the second half of the season. He got to basically shoot it when he wanted to. And, but I'm and, saying, and when AD was shut down, he wasn't that good. See, you go back you, and bring I thought up, it was uh, decent uh, his last year in the Lakers. You go back and bring out Cocaine. We didn't want to bring him out. Come on, now. You, 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 you arguing a point, I know you want to argue for your Knicks. But you can't argue no, against I'm not that. I'm here for my Knicks. I'm not, I'm not really a Knicks fan. 
I'm just saying, if I'm the Pelicans and I'm David Griffin, there's no, first of all, there's no way I'm making a deal with the Lakers just off of principle based on what they did, first and foremost. Secondly, based on their prospects, I don't really like that because my point is I'd rather have that number three pick and get R.J. Barrett. Because my mentality is with my, with I got to make Zion happy because yeah, I can't afford to have Zion be a repeat of Anthony Davis. Yeah, what, what you want to know about David Griffin is he's not caught up with happened before. He's going to make whatever deal he needs to make. He's not caught up with that. No, no, all that the stuff owner, that the the owner calling the shots. Come on huh? now. You, the owner not calling the shots. He still has to answer. He is calling the shots. He is calling the shots. He still Oh, come on, man. There are people he above him in that were in there the whole time. The he would have taken the job. Okay, so, Watch. so, so Watch. let's go off the reports that have been out there. Already it's been reported by multiple sources. They're on the record that they're not trading to the West. They don't want to trade him to the Lakers, and they're determined to send them out east. And if they're sending them out they, east, they will, there's only two teams. Where he gets the best deal. There's only two Griffin's teams that are out deal. there that, he's, that, that his people have said that he'll sign an extension with. That's the Lakers and that's the Knicks. His own father came it, it, out and said they're not signing an extension in Boston. And if Kyrie but, leaves Boston, the Celtics so are not hold, trading. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow up, slow up. You just made my case. He goes sign with the Lakers or the Knicks. So what are you talking about? Like AD is but driving this. that's my this. point. So, no, but that's so my point. Just, so hold, hold on, hold on. You, you, said, he went, you, said, you said he went trade to the Lakers. No, 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 no. You listen, just told you me he went going trade to the Lakers. You didn't, even, you didn't even pay attention to what I just said to you. I said the Pelicans said they're not trading him. The Pelicans are reported now. They're not trading them to the West. They're going to send them out east. They don't report. And so if they're going to send them out east. That leaves them with only one option. That's the next. Listen, it don't matter what the I'm going to say this. It don't matter what the Pelicans are reporting. It don't matter. Griffin's Griffin's going to put every smoke screen out. If there's smoke, there's always fire. So it doesn't matter. Believe it. Believe it when you see it. Oh, it doesn't matter to you because you want him to go to L.A. because I'm assuming it, you must be a LeBron fanboy and you're just we'll desperate for LeBron to win we, another title. That's we, what we it believe is. It when we see because it. you know, you know we, LeBron ain't winning another title. It's over, bro. I'm that not arguing about gone. LeBron winning another title. But it's over. I'm not, I, this, okay. this, this, this is not a discussion about LeBron winning another title. It's not, right, I'm not so even arguing that. Anthony Davis, why, why would you go to Los Angeles to play with a 35-year-old LeBron who doesn't want to play defense no more? Wherever it is, Anthony Davis want to go there. That's where we want to go. No, I don't, I don't know why he wants to go to the Knicks and play with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and be in Madison Square Garden and be the most is, incredible. He might not want to go. He already said he wants to sign with the Knicks. He, 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 you know why? He he, you know why he might want to go to Kyrie? With the you know, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. You know why he want to go to Kyrie? Because he saw what happened to Boston with Kyrie. That's, what he, that's why, why he might not be he what might not want to go. They, not, they might not want to go. We'll see when it happens. Hey, what do you I mean love they your might energy, not want to go? It's already reported I, 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 that Kyrie is 100% going there. And, and Kevin Brandt has energy. already moved yo, to yo, my man. Operation yo, my man. Come on, yo, man. Yo, my man. Yo, my man. Love your energy. Call back. We'll, we'll, we'll continue this, but we need to end of the show. Call back. Love okay, your energy. Love it. Keep on calling back. You can always call back. I love your energy. All right, brother. Be real. Woo, I love that. We back in business. What's up, Hank? You was left field. Y'all have me on here, are you? Hey, y'all, I, 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 I went and popped some popcorn. <laughs> I went and popped some popcorn and let y'all have it. Oh, my man. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. He called back any time, man. He called back any time. He called back any time. What well, make no sense, but he called back any time. 
and, and, and when my boy Darnell came up with all the stats, he had nothing to say. I'm like, Julius Randle was balling. All right. Hank, we got to drop the mic, man. This has been this is the reason why we got back on blog, baby. We'll let you drop it, baby, and send us home. All right, listen. I'm going to do this real quick. But uh, tonight in this, in this playoffs, we've got history in the Western Conference Finals. Okay? No, not so much that Portland is playing uh, Golden State. That's nice. That's great. But tonight we got two brothers that's playing against each other in the Western Conference Finals. You have Steph Curry, who we all know about, and we got his little brother Seth that plays for Portland, okay? And, and, and this is neat because it got me to thinking a little bit. All right, we always talk about rivalries. We always talk about around here the Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, or we always talk about Auburn, Alabama, those type of rivalries. But think about the rivalries if it's someone you don't grew up with, your own blood relative. Okay, which has me go back and think about some of the great rivalries in the past. You know, Tiki Barber and his brother Rondé, one playing for the Giants, the other playing for Tampa Bay. Or the Manning brothers, we all know about them. You know, Peyton and Eli, you know, the Giants and the, and the, and the Colts or the, and the Broncos. Okay, going even further back, you had a rivalry within a rivalry when you had the DiMaggio brothers, uh, Joe DiMaggio and his brother Dominic. Joe playing for the Yankees and Don playing for the Red Sox. Okay, what about the in the world of tennis? Y'all all know about the sisters Williams, Serena and Venus. Okay, rivalries on the court, but but blood all the time. Okay, going back in in, in basketball again, Harvey and Horace Grant. Okay, the the the, the Bulls and the Bullets. All of this, all of these rivalries. Okay, and think about that for a minute. That you are you are you are taught to hate your rival, to despise your rival. But what happens when that rival got shares the same blood as you? Imagine if you are uh, the parents of Seth, of, of Seth and Steph Curry today, okay? You don't hate nothing. You love and you're proud of what you see. Good job, young man. Get, get it down on the floor. We'll talk to you all later. Peace. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.